to me, business is the ultimate game or it doesn't even have to be business, like doing podcasts like this, um, hanging out on clubhouse, talking to people, providing value, um, shooting YouTube videos. Those to me, these are all modern games. And look, it is a game in itself. It's a puzzle where if I can spend 45 minutes recording something and it can go to thousands of people, like that's fun, that's leverage. And plus people are growing from that too. And I'm growing from it as well. Welcome to episode seven of season nine of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, AKA Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. If you've heard the show before, why not leave us a rating and review on iTunes? It helps others also discover the show. This season is titled Building a Better and More Profitable Business. And it's all about leveling up our businesses to help create a more profitable and sustainable business. Especially in this COVID and soon to be post-COVID time, I think it's so important to be able to learn from one another in any way that we can. Today's co-host is Eric Sue. Eric is the CEO of content intelligence software ClickFlow, which helps you grow your traffic while looking like a genius. He also owns the ad agency SingleGrain and has worked with companies such as Amazon, Airbnb, Salesforce, and Uber. Eric shared this three-word tweet on January 1st, which said, 2021 word harvest. I replied back and invited him on the show to talk all about that and all about his book leveling up because, well, this season is all about leveling up, right? So he was super gracious to come on to the show and share more details on that. In the show, we dive into how to maintain focus with all of the various opportunities out there that come at us from all different angles. We also talk about different habits, traits, and power-ups. As you'll see in this episode, we geek out about Blizzard and video games all throughout this episode and how these power-ups can affect your business in a compounding way. And then two specific chapters in his book called Thievery and Alchemy as power-ups for you in your business and life. There's a bonus episode of this conversation available inside Feast Club where Eric dives into his strategy for Clubhouse and how he takes the networking at scale over there off the platform and how you can use this strategy for any social media platform. Check out feastclub.co for more information about Feast Club and listen to that episode. You can find all about Eric and his book, Leveling Up, at levelingup.com. Also, you can reach out to him on Twitter at Eric Osu. And let's dive into the show today. Are you feeling like you're in a silo all by yourself with no one to bounce ideas off of? Are you looking to get predictable revenue into your service-based business? Do you want better clients who respect you? Well, gain the support from like-minded developers, designers, and other creative professionals providing client services inside a Feast Club. 
Forget those stale articles from 2008 giving you advice on how to run your business. It's 2021. Join Feast Club today and get access to a community, including myself, where we share what we're working on in real time, strategies and resources that work in today's market, and ideas and support for one another in a safe place. You'll get access to a private podcast, which has bonus episodes from some of the guests in this season that you can only get inside a Feast Club. You'll also get access to a monthly one-hour virtual meetup, a private Slack and Circle community, member-only content library, access to message yours truly directly. Also, you're going to get exclusive expert workshops from folks like Kaylee Moore on pricing, Robin Kennedy on email, and Nick Gulig on sales, and so many more. There is no better time than right now to learn from those a few steps ahead of you and leverage your skills to help and support others to grow all of our businesses together. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. I hope to see you on the inside of the club. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome, Feasters, to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to have Eric on the show. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me, Jason. This is kind of a cool little, I mean, I've watched you from afar. So for me, everything that you talk about with video games and poker and some of that other stuff that you talk about resonates a lot with me. And so your book, Leveling Up, and for those that are listening rather than watching this, he's got this cool background and it looks like from my screen, Zelda, is that Link back there? Yep. It cool. is. Awesome. So yeah, and he's got his book there. So we're going to talk about your book, Leveling Up, How to Master the Game of Life. That's something that certainly resonates with me and much of the audience here. But the genesis of this really for me was you shared a tweet out January 1 about harvest, and that's your word for the year. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about what you meant by that? Yeah, I, I think it's really earlier in my career. I was always taking every single opportunity that popped up. It took me a long time to realize that the opportunity of a lifetime comes every single year. And so I was trying to take on all these new projects all the time. And instead of focusing on the one thing that was already working, which let's use an example, my PD agency. So instead, you know, I, I use the analogy in the book that success is like a sphere. And then if you start in the middle, if success is on all the edges, you can just go in one direction, you'll hit it. But if you keep changing directions all the time, you'll never get there. And so the word is, the reason I chose Harvest this year is because we have enough stuff going on already and they're all amazing projects and we don't need to take on more. We've got the team that can, you know, take on all these, uh, you know, we've got, you know, great leaders for, for each and every one of these projects. So it's, it's not to try to stack on more stuff. It's to try to make the most of what we already have. And that's why I chose Harvest. I like that. Yeah. I always look at every year as sort of themes, not necessarily goals or resolutions to hit, just a theme. So for me, one of the themes this year is, is legacy, right? So I have two young boys, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what am I leaving behind, not just necessarily professionally, but personally, what are they picking up and things like that. So I love that you talked about that as a sphere. And if you keep changing direction, that's going to be one of those images in my head for a long time, especially when we as entrepreneurs get, hey, 
would you like to speak at this conference? Or, you know, all mm-hmm. of these opportunities come from everywhere. The, the focus gets diluted often. How do you maintain that focus? How do you say, oh, look, these opportunities are here. I want to stay straight. Yeah, I think for now, it's just understanding that um, we have business goals for the year and some goals, I have personal goals, health goals, travel goals. I, I put it on a post-it and I put it, that post-it goes right in my, my bathroom mirror. And so I stare at that when I'm brushing my teeth. I also have one right next to me, you know, when I'm at home in front of my, on my computer monitor. So I'm just looking at these, I'm constantly reinforcing in my mind. Yeah. I mean, the team understands too, that we're not trying to take on more stuff. Uh, and so that's how I stay focused. And, you know, focus is really just, you know, people, you hear the platitudes all the time, right? It's not the platitudes, but you hear the cliches all the time. It's, it's about saying no. And it, it's what it truly is. But the art of saying no is, is actually fairly difficult because I think most people have difficulty finding a nice way to say no. Mm-hmm. So how, how would you say no? I mean, the way I say it, and maybe it's not the nicest way, but I just say, hey, I, I'm honestly, I would love to, but I'm, I'm overcommitted with projects right now. So I just can't. Yeah, I think that's a something that I had to learn a long time ago. And I've been decade plus in my running my own business. Mm-hmm. Saying no was almost like initially you're like, I can't, I can't, I have to say it. Yes. I have to say yes to everything. Right. It was actually hearing somebody else saying that you, it's okay to say no was like giving mm-hmm. me permission to say no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works. So your background, and I have a couple of questions specifically on the book. I got kind of like a sneak preview of the book from your assistant. So appreciate that. Your skills. And I read a few of those chapters in the book. It's very easy read. And I'm not a reader. So for me, it was like, oh, this is kind of, yeah. like, keeping it simple. Yeah, I can't wait to get it. So in the book, you talked a little bit about power ups and and what you learn as far as, you know, skills that you develop even as like a kid and a teenager and things that you do in sports and video games and so on and so forth. I'm curious when you dove into poker and you even admitted in the book that you weren't in your group of friends, you were kind of you were kind of easy money, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What skills did you pick up from poker that are in your life and business today? Oh my god! I mean, poker is. I think it should be required learning in school. That's how important I think it is because it teaches you to think long term. Because you know the the math sometimes the variance the, as they call it. You can bring your A game three, six, twelve months at a time, and you can lose all twelve months. It's just how it is. And in my early, my, my late teens, I should say, when I started playing, when I go to the casino, you know, I I start to get really high on myself because I would win three months, you know, straight. And I I'd go to the casino, and then the dealers would, would as I'm sitting down, they'd be like, oh look, it's a kid that never loses, and I just would never lose. So I thought I was amazing. And right after that, I mean, there's a period where I lost for six months straight, and I went crazy. I mean, I didn't know how to manage my emotions. I would kind of scream sometimes. Right. And you learn that you have to be resilient. You have to be able to control what you can control. And that's what life is. There's going to be a lot of things that come at you and you can react poorly to it and then go through a downward spiral, or you can hold your own, keep cool. And then just understand that maybe nothing is good. Maybe nothing's that bad, but it just is what it is. And then what are you going to do about it afterwards? So that's one piece. The second piece is just 
understanding where to pick my spots and understanding where, where I'm favored and where I'm not. So thinking in bets, right. Force you to think like an investor, also playing the person as well. And also observing kind of who's losing their mind at the table and who's kind of easy money. Right. So you're constantly observing what's, what's going on around you. So I, I think also not to play beyond your means too. So same thing with, with life, you can't keep playing beyond your means. Otherwise you're going to go bust. And so all that stuff I learned and um, that carries over to real life today. And also in the very beginning, when I was early days, what I also learned was I, I just started copying strategies from people that I thought were, were the best. And I stole those strategies. I made them myself, my, my own. And then eventually what happened was Eric easy money started taking everyone's money and um, it no longer became fun because I was so competitive and I want to make sure back from my gaming days that if I won, I want to make sure that I step on you and you don't get up. Right. And that's it. So like, that's maybe not a good thing. And that's something that I don't want to, you know, keep with me throughout life. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and actually that touches upon one of your chapters in the book that I read was thievery. And I want to get into that here in a minute. Question that I always love to ask anyone who comes onto the show is what would you consider your most defining moment in life so far? I think it would be, there's one moment when I was leading marketing at a startup, I was 25 or 26 years old. And um, a month into the job, the CEO pulled me aside and said, Hey, if you don't hit numbers this month, look, there's 80 people's families, they're, they're riding on your shoulders and um, you know, we're gonna have to let you go. And I was like, what? Like I've only been here for a month. And then so in my mind, that was one moment where going back to resilience again, am I gonna cry about it? Or am I going to do something about it? And fortunately at that moment, I was so trained to be numb because poker teaches you to be numb to a lot of psychological pain. And so I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And what I did was like, also like I had a chip on my shoulder too. Oh, you're going to let me go. Okay. I'll show you. So I basically gambled the entire company away. And maybe it wasn't a gamble. It was a calculated bet, but it was an all in bet. So I'm all in. I bet the entire company on YouTube advertising. And from then on, we went from, you know, acquiring 200 users a month to 1500 to 3,500 to like 55, 6,500. It just shot up from there. We raised our series B and, um, you know, we were able to kind of move the company in the right direction. And so, yeah, I have to attribute a lot of that to poker and also like how I responded in that situation. So that was a big piece of it. The second one would be over a period of time. That's me taking over single rain and buying it for $2, but you know, that's a, drawn out story. So <laughs> yeah. And single grains, your agency right now. And who do you specifically help in your agency? Yeah. So we primarily serve SaaS companies, uh, SaaS education, and e-commerce are kind of the two, three areas that we quote unquote focus on just because I have a foothold in SaaS. I speak at SaaS conferences. I know a lot of the players and we just do well from that perspective. And plus we have our own SaaS product too. So we just understand a lot of the dynamics of those types of businesses. Yeah. And I think that that's smart too, rather than just, I'm an agency that does X for everyone. Right. So going back to video games, I have to ask, do you play today? No, because to me, business is the ultimate game, or it doesn't even have to be business. Like doing podcasts like this, um, hanging out on clubhouse, talking to people, providing value, um, shooting YouTube videos. Those to me, these are all modern games. And look, it is a game in itself. It's a puzzle where if I can spend 45 minutes recording something and it can go to thousands of people, like that's fun. That's leverage. And plus people are growing from that too. And I'm growing from it as well. So, you know, when I'm playing a game, you know, I've tried to play uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild and it's amazing. It looks amazing, but I'm just like, how many hours am I going to have to put into this? And what does, is this a good use of my time? And so now I'm just like, look, 
when I, when I'm excited about when I wake up the same feeling I had playing games when I was 10 or 11 years old, it's business. And it's, you know, all the things that are tied to it, the relationships, you know, acquiring a business is a puzzle as well. Hiring someone amazing is a puzzle as well. There's just so many puzzles that um, I can just keep playing this game until I die. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. Like I used to game a lot. I forget it. I would skip work mm-hmm. to play Diablo and yeah. like Starcraft would take me on sleepless nights, multiple in a row, uh, you know, being in college and all. I mean, it was essentially like for me, when I started working and started being able to build things and, and I grew up as a coder, that became my video game because I was like, oh, I'm just getting to the next level, getting to the next level, get users in the door and all that. And so same thing today, I don't have video games. We have no consoles in the house or nothing of that nature. But even when I see it on the iPad or the phone or something like, hey, this is the game of the month. This is, You got to download this. Somebody recommends something. I'm just like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Well, it's it's the interest just isn't there anymore. I think it's, um, you know, the, the analogy I like to use is that, you know, when you're training in sports, football or whatever, you, if you overtrain, you're going to tear your ACL, you might tear your biceps, you know, whatever. Um, if you overtrain in the shadow world, which is gaming, for me, I remember, you know, I, I became really unhealthy. And, you know, there's a lot of negative stuff that started to happen because I stayed in that world for too long. But going to train in that world and bringing that back, those skills back and then impacting the world in a positive way, I think that's um, that's very helpful. And to me, you know, sports is just, it's a version of gaming as well. It's just been around for a lot longer. I think the stigma, it, it's, you know, towards gaming, like video gaming right now, it is going to go away because it's inevitable at this point that it'll probably become a top three, top five sport. Um, it is in most, a lot of other countries, I shouldn't say most, but you know, US, we're a little behind right now. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see that all the time on esports and, you know, even on channels on TV, like I've could flip through the guide on the TV and see it. And it's like, Man, where was this when I was a kid? <laughs> I was my grandma was like, you got to get away from the TV, you know, like as a kid. And, and they like, just don't understand. Right. I just wish my parents, you know, when I was 10 or 11 years old, instead of, you know, taking away my keyboard and my mouse, just saying, hey, Eric, um, out of curiosity, why are you so interested in this? What are you learning from it? What are you getting from it? And we could have had a conversation. And so it didn't happen. But I, I think uh, hopefully this will give someone some ideas to go do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny that you said that because I just had a conversation with my four year old. Right. And so, you know, he doesn't really watch too much TV. There's a couple of shows maybe, but we don't really just plan him in front of the TV and let him watch all day. Right. But there's a couple of the shows, one being BattleBots, which is on Discovery Channel. It's like the robots fighting each other. I asked him that. I said, what makes this so interesting to you? <laughs> you know, I think, and he told me, and he was just like, you know, he told me his, his version of what he's interpreting and seeing and stuff, but he knows the, the drivers, he knows the bots. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm casually watching with you, but you're in, and he's four. And I'm like, he's watching this, like it's his sport, you know? I mean, reality is, you know, we're probably a lot more capable than we think. Honestly, I think there, you know, there's stories of four or five years old, five year olds starting businesses, right? I, I don't, I think the earlier you start could be the better, right? So it's, but that's your decision as a parent. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing too is like my, my wife and I have had those conversations, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I've had my business for 10 years. My wife is a newly minted freelancer. And so I want my sons to explore whatever works for them, right? Whatever they're interested in, I want them to be happy. Not going to really push them down. I had a battle out with my mom when I was in college, when Silicon Valley started coming up through the ranks. I went through 
weeks on end. I was like, I'm leaving. I, I could code. I'm going out west. <laughs> I lost that battle. You know, she was like, look, you got to get the diploma. That's what you were here for. And, you know, so like she was pretty straight and narrow with me there. But whatever makes him happy and BattleBots makes him happy. And so it makes me happy. But what attracted me to the book initially was I read Atomic Habits. I've read multiple sort of like habit building books, audio books, listen to things like that. And I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. My wife will tell you that in routine every morning, so on and so forth. But what it really attracted me to the book in and of itself was you as a businessman and successful in what you do, put that whole new spin around it where you literally say, if you just stack on power-ups, right? And that's what you're calling them in the books. Each chapter is essentially like a power-up. Then you start winning that game, right? And for me, that concept, it applied in when James Clear in Atomic Habits was like saying, hey, if going to the gym or losing weight is your goal, put your sneakers by the door and create that habit, right? And then the habit is to get in the car. And then, and so, so I understood that concept, but for you, where was it, where did it really click that said, Hey, if I just increase these individual skills and, and sort of master these habits, everything starts compounding. Yeah, well, let's use Diablo as an example. So in Diablo, let's say you're the sorceress, so you can put up the ice shield, you can you can go to the mana shrine, you can collect all these things and you get stronger and stronger, right? There's all these buffs. In EverQuest or World of Warcraft, you get a lot of buffs. You get stronger and stronger, whether you're adding armor, you're adding strength, you're adding intelligence, you know, all that stuff, right? And so that to me, I guess it's kind of just stuck with me. So when I wake up in the morning, all the cliches people talk about, oh yeah, you got to meditate, you got to journal, you got to work out, intermittent fasting and all that stuff. So I, I do all that, right? But the, the reframe I have on it in the morning is, oh, I'm already getting stronger. Like when I'm sitting and meditating for, no, I don't do it for very long, 10 to 30 minutes or so. I'll hop on the Peloton 20 to 45 minutes. I'll do my body workout. I fill out my five minute journal. I do all those things and I don't eat, right? So I'm, I'm like, I've stacked five or six things. And then waking up early is another stack, right? So I'm getting advantage on the so maybe I have six or seven buffs in the morning when I'm getting started. So I'm already ready. Right. And I know I'm ahead of other people already. And so part of me is very competitive, as you can tell. But um, <laughs> to me, it's that, that's how I look at it. And, and also a lot of these skills, some of them, like when you're playing Diablo, by the way, you, you have a sword. If you keep using it over and over, the durability is going to drop. Like same thing when you work out, if you stop working out, you stop meditating, it's going to start to slowly decay. And so I talk about 15 power-ups in the book, but there's actually a lot more than that in life. Like power-ups could be habits to your point. It could be mental models and there's a lot of tools. And so the goal I think in life, um, or one of the, one of the things that's going to help you grow and level up to your, your, your highest potential is to just go around collecting things and, and learning and just getting better and better, getting that 1% better every single day. And part of that involves, you know, getting different power-ups. Yeah, which actually leads me to one of the chapters in your book that caught my eye. If I just went through the table of contents and I was like, hey, let me see what catches my eye. And that's sort of in these sort of books, that's that's how I read them. I don't kind of read them from front to back. One of them was thievery. So for me, I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. What's he talking about here? Could you dive into that concept a little bit? 
Yeah. So I learned about this really when I was 11 years old or so, and I was, I was fighting in a tournament. Uh, it was a, it's called the best of the best tournament. So it was fighting to have this title at the end of my name. So it can be, you know, my name in gaming, which is why I have my name on a lot of things is Eric O. That was my name in a lot of games, Eric O. So if you win this tournament, you get to have a title at the end of your name. So it could be like Eric O the Wanderer, right? And so everyone gets to see that you're this champion wherever you walk. And I discovered, you know, in, these are one-on-one fights to the death. And in preliminaries, um, I was getting destroyed. It's like, I had no strategy and I got lucky with the timing where I got to watch someone that had a strategy figured out. And I watched and I was like, Oh, this actually ties in back with my days of playing first person shooters. Okay. I'm going to steal that and make it my own. And what happened after that was I swept everyone. I like, I barely won against that person, but I swept everyone else by a large margin. And so my, my point of saying that, like at that age, I was like, Oh, I think that's what I need to do. I just need to like remix other stuff. And when you think about the mouse, Apple stole that from Xerox, right? And when you think about the GUI, the graphical user interface, Apple stole that from Xerox. When you think about SpaceX, the rockets coming back, it's still the same fundamental design as rockets we've seen in the past. It's just the big difference is they come back to earth. And, you know, Picasso said that great artists steal. And so when you think about that, it's like, oh, okay. Like really we hold this thing about, being original to be so sacred when the reality is we're all just iterating on top of each other, people learning from this podcast or me doing this book, you mentioned atomic habits, you know, with this book, I've just reframed things a little bit, but at its essence, we are talking about habits and we're talking about mental models. And so, you know, I I think the reason why I I titled it thievery is because it's such a nasty feeling when someone calls you a thief or they say you're not original, blah, blah, blah. Reality is none of us are really that original. And so it's okay my point of having such a sharp title is to tell people it's okay. Yeah. And that, and that's why when I caught my eye and then I started reading that chapter, I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Again, it's more of that, hey, you can garner strategy. You were talking about poker earlier, right? You just learned a strategy on when to play the hand, when to fold, when to play above you, you know, means and stuff like that. So for me, that was eye-opening to hear because- you're honest right up front. You're saying, hey, look, you know, people share ideas. For the most part, we're humans. Whether we think it's an original idea or not, it could have seeped into our minds just subconsciously. And we're putting our own flavor, our own personality, our own spin on it so that then it actually comes out in our own voice. So I thought that that was a great first chapter for me because, you know, again, it's that permission, right? It's like, hey, I'm not saying that I don't have original thoughts and opinions and things like mm-hmm. that, but at the same time, for the most part, hearing on this podcast, you know, people come on, I hear a lot of the same threads in life. Correct. The thing that I like about the book too is like you give quests at the end of the chapters. <laughs> like this, like this whole, it's not just the name is video game-esque. Mm-hmm. You incorporated those elements inside of it, gamified the book even in and of itself. Did you think of doing that right when you started the book or was it kind of like, almost like, Hey, I could probably do this as you started writing. So, you know, when people say you're writing a book, it, it's like a five to six year journey. And it, this actually took me six years to finish. And, but it was cause I was writing on and off through the years. And um, I would read other books and I'd be like, Oh, there's interesting kind of um, inspiration again, thievery. I think you know, I would read other books and um, sometimes there'd be something at the end, there's something to do. And I was like, okay, that's great. And then what can I do beyond adding um, kind of action steps? So maybe there's a quest and maybe there's kind of additional notes. 
And then maybe for some chapters, I'll add additional kind of bonus. I'll add another video on top, which I've done. It spells out kind of the, this, uh, this other power up you get, and there's like additional bonus. So it's kind of gamified within the book. And so, you know, it just kind of teaches people to, to start to get into that mindset that, Hey, like, you know, you're just going around collecting things and you're, you know, you're just gonna get stronger and stronger. And then you're going to play this infinite game. And when you, when you go away, like when you'd pass away, totally fine. At least you enjoyed your time on, on earth. Yeah. I like that <laughs> for me, like as a non-reader, it actually that gamification, I'm a gamification nut. You know, I have habit trackers, you know, don't break the streak, all of these kind of things. So the gamification for me in a book that just goes to that next level for me, I think it's going to keep me engaged. So I, I think that was super smart. Cool. Thanks. So the other chapter in and of itself that appealed to me was alchemy, right? And as I started reading that, one, because I was always, any of these games, I was always like a wizard or a mage or something. Mm, like I yeah, was always yeah. very into that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's why what appealed to me. But the concept of like, hey, we're always marketing ourselves. We're always selling. We're always, because I, I always say I'm not a salesman. I was never a trained salesman. I'm a developer at heart. I'm an introvert. I just much rather be in my own, but I've learned through life, much like you say, poker for me, that's, that was the ultimate sales lessons. Can you dive in a little bit on the sales and marketing of oneself? Yeah. So the chapter is called alchemy because um, to me, it's the magic you create from marketing and sales. So marketing is bringing people to the point of sale and sales is actually just closing them at that point. I'm oversimplifying it right now. So I'm an introvert and, you know, historically what I've, you know, the audiences that we've been able to build over time. So, you know, combined with the two podcasts, we're cumulatively 50 million downloads right now. And we've compounded our traffic to our blog where we get decent traffic, about 350,000 visits a month. Um, and we've kind of done the same thing over time. We've just continually compounded. And the reason we've been able to do that is because, you know, we learn in public. Like I just love learning and I love articulating my thoughts. And so that's what's created the audience. And it makes it way easier when people come to me because they want to work with me or whatever I'm involved with. And so our sales cycle decreases, the lifetime value of a customer goes up, relationship, actually building relationships with these customers goes up quite a bit as well. So that's just what, what's worked well for me. I've historically, you know, from a sales perspective, I, it's never really worked that well for me when I have to cold reach out to other people. Fundamentally, I think life is just all about you know, finding out what people want and giving it to them. And then they come back to you. So the Zig Ziglar quote that sticks with me, you know, help others get what they want and you get whatever you want. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. So that that's to me what alchemy is about. And it doesn't need to be this complex thing because, you know, to your point, we're always selling ourselves and this is how we get what we want. One relative I, I know has always complained about, you know, his circumstances in, in life, how he doesn't get what he needs. He's passed up for promotions, blah, blah, blah. But you know, how well have you kind of cultivated this alchemy power up if at all? Yeah. I think we all have that one relative. <laughs> like, it always complains the negativity and so on and so forth, for sure. For me, that that's something that I, I've sort of leaned in on like you, cold never really works. It's more of just, hey, I'm going to give value. And then with no expectation, the best man at my wedding, longtime friend, obviously, you know, he always said like, he always comes to empathy in one hand and being humble in the next. And when you do that, good things usually happen. So point that I want to bring back to is funny that you said, Eric, oh, because I was going to ask that, where does that that fit in. Res for me with three Z's, it was my handle in all my video games because 
it's funny as a Blizzard guy yourself, when StarCraft started and signed up to Battle.net, I was always res with two Zs. For whatever reason, it was taken already. And I was like, oh, come on. I just want to play. So I just I was like, I'm just going to add a third Z and keep going and stuff. So that's, that's, uh, that's funny. So before we sign off here, obviously the book is out. You're doing your thing, getting out there, spreading the good word. But what, what's up next for the next six to 12 months? Yeah. So, I mean, the book's coming out tomorrow, actually. So I'm trying to crank out as many podcasts uh, and get them live before tomorrow or this week. So there's a whole game behind that, right? How, how week one sales work. But um, once the book comes out, we're going to be focusing on a book funnel. So we're going to be tying in a journal with it as well, like building habits. It's a habit journal, basically. And so we're going to be running ads towards that. But that's kind of the main thing. I, I mean, my life mission is to level up the world and I'll never accomplish that. And that's what a mission is. It's about something that I can wake up for being excited about, right? So whether it's leveling people up through marketing or whatever it is exactly, you know, helping people, you know, collect power-ups, that's what it is. And I, I think, you know, we're focused on acquiring other businesses right now. We're focused on bringing on more talent. And then there's people that run these kind of different uh, divisions. You know, we're bringing back our live events this year. So there's a lot, right? But to me, it's all fun. So the reason I do so many different things is a, we have different operators, so I don't need to be in the day-to-day, but I can jump around and I can jump around and support. So one second I can be, again, I can be working on this deal. I can be hiring this one person, or, you know, we can be working on this book funnel. Like how does a journal look and all that? Right. So um, I just have fun and I can just keep switching games whenever I get bored of one. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that, that's what you need. You need to build that team around you so that you could keep doing the fun stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you for coming on the show and sharing some time and your wisdom today with us. Where can folks reach out and say thanks? Yeah. I mean, they can uh, reach out. They can go to levelingup.com. That's one place. Um, so there's a whole game to get that domain. You can reach out to me, Twitter or Instagram at Eric O S as in sugar. I use so at Eric Osu. Awesome. And he's certainly responsive on Twitter. So if you're not already following him, go ahead and do so. We'll obviously link all of those up in the show notes as well. Eric, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having me. And for everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. <laughs>